0: Hi, and welcome to Explanation. I'm your veterinary host, Dr. Sugarman, and I'm gonna teach you about veterinary medicine. In this podcast, we can dive deeper into the understanding of what our pets are going through and break down medical terms into easier to understand chunks of information. Just a quick disclaimer, this podcast is for informational purposes only. This is not meant to be a diagnosis for your pet. If you have questions about diagnostics or treatment options, please talk to your veterinarian about those things. Remember, we are all practicing veterinary medicine, and medicine is not an exact science. Your veterinarian may have different treatment options and different opinions. The information I provide here is to help pet parents have a better understanding about their pets. If you like our podcast, please consider sharing this podcast with at least one friend or just somebody else who has pets as well. Now, let's jump into this week's episode. Hi, right, welcome back to another episode of Explanation. I have my son here again, Oren. He's going to be going back to school here soon, so he really wanted to do another episode of Explanation for everybody. Oren, you want to say hi? All right, so what was the topic that you picked for today's Explanation, Oren?
1: ER and GP.
0: Awesome. All right, so let's start with what, do you know what ER and GP stand for?
1: ER is Emergency Room, mm-hmm. and GP is General Practice.
0: Absolutely. Let's start with ER, since that's what I'm most familiar with. <laughs> what? R. That's because I do ER, right? What does, tell me what an ER veterinarian does.
1: They take the really critical cases and they work on those.
0: Yeah, so that's what we do. Yeah, so on emergency medicines, so we do a lot of different things. Sometimes they're not critical things. Sometimes they're just really painful animals. But like our goal in emergency medicine is to see those animals that can't wait. So they're really sick. They are vomiting constantly. They're having really bad diarrhea. They're not eating. They're really painful things that you would potentially go to your ER for
1: a broken bone,
0: like a broken bone. If you ate something you weren't supposed to, like a toxin, chocolate for the dogs, we we'll want to make them vomit things or like
1: grape. that. Grapes, chocolate,
0: grapes. Exactly. Yeah. All of those things that we don't want them to be able to get into. Those are the things that we're going to be seeing them for. So that way we can get them seen before they could potentially get in to see their general practice veterinarian. So a lot of what I do is trying to fix immediate problems. And that can be a little bit hard because you'll have some people who come in for skin issues. And I'm not really good at that. That's not what my forte is. I always tell people, this is something that you would go see your ER practice for. If As a human, would you go to the ER for this? And if that's the case, then yes, then you should bring them in for it. But if it's not something you would go to the ER for you, then it probably isn't something that an ER veterinarian is the best equipped to deal with that.
1: Okay, so it's probably like the dumbest case you've had to do because someone thought their pet was dying. It was not.
0: That's a hard one because it's not that it's dumb, right? It's that they, the pet parent sees that their pet is in pain or is really uncomfortable so, they only see that. They can't see that it's something that could potentially wait. So, I don't know that there's any like dumb cases from it. There's just things that could potentially have waited to see like their regular veterinarian rather than coming into an emergency room and waiting six, eight, 12 hours to be seen.
1: Yeah. Okay. PR is also crazy, right? Because yeah. sometimes people come in for their pet needs CPR. Mm-hmm. Other times, their pet just
0: sneezed. Sometimes they're just sneezing. We have something called reverse sneezing in veterinary medicine, and you can listen to that on a different episode for reverse sneezing. But um, yeah, sometimes they are just sneezing, but you wouldn't know it when they do it. It's very dramatic, and so it seems like their pet is choking. It's hard to know like when is it best to come in, and was it when do you not need to come in? So like things like sneezing is definitely going to be something that's going to wait before something like who, for another pet who's coming in that needs CPR or that needs emergency surgery or has broken a bone or something that is life-threatening is going to go first in emergency yeah. medicine.
1: So comparing a pet that just got into a, a load of chocolate mm-hmm. compared to a dog that like dislocated a paw Still, both are not good
0: yeah both are not good but we have to decide both of those are probably not going to be a life-threatening thing at that moment but we still have to decide what it gets seen first the paw yeah. that something that's dislocated that's painful so they definitely need pain medication versus the dogs who ate a large amount of chocolate that can become very detrimental that can become very bad and so we want to make them vomit first so a lot of times, like on my clinic, like we are bringing that pet in who has that possibly dislocated paw, giving them pain medication, and then they're waiting to be seen, and then I'm seeing the one that ate chocolate. We're making them vomit, and again, after they vomit, we're they're waiting to be seen. So that way, like something is already happening with them, but they still have to wait their turn because it's not something that's life threatening at this moment. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So out of your entire so far, what has been like the most critical case that you've seen so far?
0: Hmm. I've seen a lot of critical cases. So I've seen, unfortunately, like dogs that get hit by cars. Yeah, not
1: good.
0: Yeah, dogs that are bleeding into their belly or into their abdomen. There's a lot of critical things, and I think the hard thing for people to understand is it's not like a first come first basis or it's not meaning if you stand in line to the ice cream at school or something, right? You're the next person who's in line is the next person who gets ice cream, right? But it's not like that. This is really, it's based on who is the most critical is the one that goes first. If somebody was in line for ice cream and then somebody in that ice cream line suddenly passes out, everybody's going to go over to the person who passed out. They're not going to keep continuing to hand out ice cream, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, hard for people to understand sometimes because it's hard to see that some yeah. pet might be more critical than other pets
1: and they think their pet is really important and that is true
0: yeah it is true right
1: they love their pets and they want to get it treated yeah yeah they want to get it treated
0: yeah they don't want to see their pet suffer or anything right so they want to get them help as fast as they possibly can that's also a very helpless thing for them because they don't They can't do things to fix them, right? They have to wait until we can see them.
1: That's the hard part.
0: Yeah, that is the hard part. There's no appointments for it. You can't come in at a scheduled time or anything. This is really just based on, just like going to a human ER, when you can be seen next based on how critical your pet is. The other things too are, like you have to remember, so emergency veterinarians, a lot of us do surgery and stuff as well. So if there's something really critical that needs surgery, like we have to stop seeing all the other patients. So that way we can do that critical emergency surgery before we can move on to do the ones that are not as critical.
1: What is the most, I don't know, dangerous or something? Like when you t- took one of those exotic animals?
0: Yeah, sometimes exotic animals can be dangerous. Not everybody on emergency sees exotic animals. And it depends even for me what kind of exotic animals I will see. But Sometimes the most dangerous ones are actually just the dogs that are really scared and are really fearful and want to bite you. Yeah.
1: Remember when you saw, like, that tiger?
0: Yeah. That wasn't on emergency medicine, though. That was on one of my rotations for school.
1: And then that ostrich? Also at school. Okay.
0: Yep. But good questions. Yeah. Should we talk about what general practice does?
1: General practice,
0: yeah. Yeah, what do you think general practice does?
1: I think it's what most people think that veterinarians are, unless that person has a veterinarian as a dad, or they are a veterinarian (laughs) or general practice, specifically in the first place.
0: Yeah. So what do you think that they do?
1: They do the vaccinations. Mm -hmm. They take in their monthly checkups. But then in reality, they do more.
0: Oh yeah, they do so much more. So I know I probably downplay sometimes the things that they do because that's not what I do. I do emergency, but they do so much more. So they, if I have a dog that's very critical and I fixed it on ER, then I'm going to send them to the general practitioner or the GP veterinarian to help manage that case. So I can fix things at that moment, but the person who does all of the managing, figuring out what medications that they need, what their long-term plans are going to be, all of that is a general practice veterinarian. So they do a lot more. Sometimes some general practice veterinarians do surgeries that I don't do. So there's even with veterinarians in general, there's so many things that we don't think about that veterinarians do. If you go to your pediatrician, first of all, like your pediatrician is very much like a general practice veterinarian in the Mm -hmm. sense that you make an appointment and you go at that appointment time. Right, There's not usually like just walk-in general practice appointment. Like you usually have to go in at a specific time. You're seen at that time. You have a scheduled slot of time to be seen.
1: Yeah.
0: But some general practice veterinarians also do things like surgery. So they'll do orthopedic surgery, meaning surgeries on bones, which is not something that I would do. They do dentistry. So like you now have like your pediatrician does not do anything to fix your bones if you were to break a bone. Your pediatrician does not do things like fixing your teeth. You go to a dentist to do those things, right? If you have something that needs x-rays, you have to go to another place in order to get x-rays. Or if you need an ultrasound, you have to go to another place to do an ultrasound. But these are actually all things that we do mostly at the veterinary clinics. There are definitely specialists who do other things like surgery. There are specialists who do dentistry. There are specialists who do eye things, but a lot of these things first happen in the veterinary clinic, and most of the time with the general practitioners.
1: Okay, so, so... And then
0: they also do vaccines and wellness checks, like you were saying, as well.
1: But for general practice, they see the like the regular things. They do the checkups. Mm-hmm. So let's say what your patients are coming in. How I understand it is the less severe ones are going to go to general practice. The severe ones... Go to the ER, and then the ER sends them back to general practice. And general practice is going to help plan some for ER, so they're split half and half with what they need to do. General so, practice does like the more this is the planning part.
0: They do all the long term stuff. Like I do very immediate things to fix things right now, and then general practice does all the rest of those things like when you were saying like before, yes, I get seen on ER and then we move it over to general practice. That's absolutely true. They don't really plan for us to see them again. That's their goal is they don't want the ER to have to see them again. I never want to have an animal who has to come in for an emergency, mm-hmm. right? But that just doesn't sometimes happen, unfortunately. What? So it's not that they're planning for them to come to ER. They just are planning to help them try to stay out of the ER.
1: Okay. So, you both do your best to try to keep animals in theirs, but part of the general practice, part of ER is handing them over to general practice sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, general, so, it's ER, if this was like a graph, ER is the high part, it goes down to the low part for general practice, and then general practice doesn't sometimes go vice versa.
0: I'm a little bit hard to see the graph part of this, but it's just that we both work in conjunction with each other to try to make sure that the animal stays healthy and safe, right? That's our goal. It just depends at what point in time they need each one. So if they're really sick, they're going to see ER. And if it's something that could wait, let's say maybe they're just itchy or they're losing hair.
1: Or they need like a vaccine.
0: Yeah. Those are all things that can wait to be seen on general practice. General practitioners also do other things too, like um, you had asked me before about like paperwork type mm-hmm. things when we were talking before the podcast. Mm-hmm. And they do actually do something called health certificates. I just did a podcast with Dr. Z as well on this. But this is like things like to help them be able to travel to other places. Our veterinarians and general practitioner veterinarians all have to do tons and tons of paperwork. Yeah, But most ER veterinarians do not do things like health certificates. That's something usually a general practitioner does. So I do have extra paperwork type things that we don't do that they
1: So ER and general practice, they have to work in like a corresponding system. ER has their part. They take these. General practice has a the part. They take these. They cross over. General practice helps ER at this point. ER has things over to general practice sometimes. And then at that point, there's all the patients right there.
0: Yeah, our goal is to pretty much work together to try to make sure that this patient is seen promptly, what it needs to be, and then handled for the rest of its life or whatever problem it is that we've diagnosed. Yes, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Thanks, Oren, for joining me again on Explanation for now, our Explanation, our second Kid's Explanation. So I know you're going to be going back to school soon, but it's hopefully…
1: It's going to be hard to do these episodes.
0: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. so hopefully maybe we'll do some when we're on school break Again. or maybe even we'll plan some more for next summer. So if anybody has any any ideas on anything you would like us to talk about on Kidsplanation, and Oren always has a lot of questions for me, so you're welcome to email us to let us know, and we'd be happy to go over those for you. All right, anything else you want to say, buddy?
1: I really hope you enjoyed our second episode of Kidsplanation. Yeah.
0: All, right. all right. Thank you again, guys, and keep your pets happy, safe, and healthy. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening this week. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or you just want to say hi, you can email me at sugs, S-U-G-G-S, at vetsplanationpodcast.com, or visit the website at vetsplanationpodcast.com, or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok at Vetsplanation. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you back here next week.